Well, that's a really good question because, it, it, by the way, Don is an old school guy with mixed martial arts. He's been watching it since what? Don ninety three and probably before that, right? Uh, I've been in the business just a little over twenty years, and you know it goes <laughs> goes way back. And you know I'm very humbled for what I did, but I like how you dodged the question there, bro. Um, oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, putting me on the spot. All right, so uh, let me break it down like this. So back in the day, and I grew up in a – my mom was a Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier fan, like huge. She grew up where the, the fight of the century happened with Joe Frazier, uh, Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali. She was a big boxing fan, like and my family, huge boxing fan. Uh, so we were a Mike Tyson household. Every pay-per-view, my first video game I ever played was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, um, I was a Mike Tyson fan. Out of the womb, I was a Mike Tyson fan. So, <laughs> swear to God. So, Mike Tyson got incarcerated, and then this new thing came up, UFC. And we had this, something called, and you young whippersnappers wouldn't know about this because we had the bunny ears. But, however, we had a, something called a, uh, a hack box where you can actually watch pay-per-view, which we watched the first UFC. And that filled the void of Mike Tyson not being around. Because as you can tell, Mike Tyson got incarcerated around 92. UFC came out in 93. And then UFC went underground. Because, of course, uh, Mr. Uh, what's the guy that ran for president? I forget his name. Uh, ah, God, he ran against Obama. Who cares? Anyway, he, he called it human cockfighting. Got the sport to be buried underground. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? I can't watch UFC anymore. Fast forward to uh, 1997, Pride FC start. And I see a pro wrestler, a Japanese pro wrestler named Nobuhiko Tukata fighting uh, Hickson Gracie. And it blew my little mind. I'm like, oh, my God, there's another Gracie? Holy crap, can we watch this? So then there was something called DirecTV, which my dad, God bless his soul, he actually had DirecTV. We can actually watch the, uh, the feed or get uh, the, the, the feed dumps where you can actually watch it. It was like late at night. It was like maybe 4 a.m., 5 a.m., but I was able to watch Pride FC. Then Ken Shamrock went to the WWE. Love Ken Shamrock, so of course watched the WWE. And I saw Mike Tyson in the WWE being a referee at WrestleMania. Then we see the UFC come back in the fruitation. We, we see it rise from the dead. Uh, I saw Frank Shamrock fight Tito Ortiz in an absolute classic. And then I watched the uh, Pride Grand Prix in 2000. I saw a little Japanese pro wrestler named Kazushi Sakuraba kick the shit out of Hoist Gracie for 90 minutes. It blew my little mind. A, pro, a Japanese pro wrestler being the unstoppable Hoist Gracie, styles make fights. Catch wrestling versus uh, jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu takes a million steps to set up a submission. While catch wrestling, you catch what you get, and you try to break it. So it just – everything transpired. And by the time I hit eighth grade, I said I want to be in this business. So by eighth grade, I started putting Dream Elite Pro Store into motion and started putting, how do I do this? What's the correct way to do this? Got my, my degree early, went to college, got a college education, started the business, lost money hand over fist. Had Don McGuire, McGuire hold my hand and say, follow me, kid, I'll show you the way. And here we are right now. So my job and how I want to continue the sport is sharing the love I had as a little kid with wide eyes, watching Tyson, watching UFC, watching Pride, watching UFC again, and now watching the sport where it is today, where it's the number one fastest-growing sport in the world. Is that a good answer? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very eloquent answer. You know, you touch on our friendship quite a bit, and, you yeah. know, a lot of people think that 
in life. It's it's a circle of friends. But in reality, I'll just I'll kind of break a little bit of my knowledge off, and you know, take it for what it's grant, you know, for what it's worth. But uh, nowadays, it's gone from a circle to a dot. And yes. you know, I, I hold that dot very precious to me, which you happen to be a part of. Uh, there's very few people in this world that I pay the respect that I pay to you. And, you know, I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm on the show this evening is because I want to give back to you. I want to show, to show you and show your listeners how tremendous of an individual you, you've made this business for, not just yourself, but the people that surround you. You know, we come from two different worlds, but we have the same heart. And that's truly all that matters in, in, in loyalty and respect and how life should be nowadays, you know. One thing yeah. I had to, I want to change the path a little bit here. You know, our guest coming on this evening, it's no, no secret, is Antonio McKee. When I look at people in life for wisdom and knowledge, I go to this man. Some people might say, why, he's younger than you. It doesn't always take somebody older to, older than you to teach you what life is about. Yeah. You know, so it goes to that expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And Antonio McKee, when this guy comes on, people take note. This, this, this is a true legacy of this sport. I idolize this man, and I don't idolize anybody. Um, the reason I idolize him is is the sheer fact that he wants to see the sport go the places it needs to be. But on the same note, the body shop out there in, in California is vastly growing to be one of the top gyms in the country. And looking at Bellator 160, all of this man's fighters are on that card. You know, yeah. world champions have come to him. You know, Rampage, you know, Emmanuel Newton. This man changes lives. This man changes thoughts and shows people that there is still love and a handshake and a brother in this business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I talked to uh, – remember when we were on the show together and I talked to A.J. McKee and how much of a class act was that, was that cat? I mean, when, when I was talking to him, and especially because you and I – of course, we, we butted heads a bunch of times. And that's – you know, you come from an old-school era of mixed martial arts. And I come from a different school. So, of course, we come from two different ways to look at the sport and two different views where we find some way, somehow, we find a way to match up correctly. And we always find a way to, to come to agree to disagree. And um, when I talked to AJ, and, of course, I knew about Antonio McKee, big fan. He's been in Dream, which is one of my favorite promotions. Dream Elite is actually a spinoff of Dream because I was a big fan of Dream, and I hated how Dream and Elite XC went under. It was kind of like a tribute to both of them. So I watched Antonio McKee in the UFC. I watched him in MFC when he finally saw his hard work pay off. And, you know, he's 46 year old, years old. He's a young 46. His son is very, 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 very young, but it's 4-0, undefeated. And knowing how well-spoken he was, I could I, – like, I was literally envisioning how much – and for, for the knowledge that Antonio McKee passed on to his son, I was just – as, as AJ was talking, I was envisioning how much knowledge this guy must have in his brain to pass it on to his son, who's a well-spoken individual, who fights with precision and fights with deadly accuracy, and he has such a character behind him, such an honorable character. There is so much honor, there's so much honor behind AJ McKee, 
I only imagine like, oh my god, holy crap! Like, what what will Antonio McKee be about when when his son is so freaking awesome, but so new in the sport? But he's talking like a mature fifty year old who's been through every single stage of the sport that we talked about. It's like Antonio McKee passed all that down to him. And AJ McKee is actually fighting on Bellator 160 and defending his undefeated record, which is very, very cool. You know, I agree with you. You know, it's like, God, the kid is amazing. Because, you know, I I interviewed Rob Kimmons this this afternoon, a UFC vet, man that's been through a lot. And, you know, he, he broke down a lot of knowledge and wisdom. And he's he's been in the sport since 2005. So then you look at a kid like uh, A.J. McKee. You know, he's 4-0, like you stated. He's he's at the top of his game right now. But this kid's only getting started. And to come on a radio show and speak like such an old soul. Yeah. You know, it was, it, every time, dude, I, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm in true amazement because... Then I have to talk to his pops, and to get that much knowledge in one day is is truly humbling. Because, you know, I love this sport, and I love up and comers. That's one thing that we love on our show is that we do everybody from amateurs to world champions, and we bring them all on the same show together, and we bring out who the who the person is behind the fighter. And that that's what I want to do in, in my life is show people that no matter who they are in this business, there is another side to them. And most of the time, it's that of great humility. And yeah. You, you've loved our show, David. You, you know, what, do you, what do you think about our format? I, I like the format, and I like the fact that you're asking a little bit deeper, more deeper questions because – uh, when, when, when a Daniel Cormier or somebody else or a Bobby Lashley, they do an interview, they, there's certain guidelines they have to follow. There's certain things they can't talk about. There's certain things that their manager said, oh, don't, don't talk about that. Don't touch upon this subject, this subject, this subject. What I, what I like about MMA Destruction, even what I like about my podcast too, what I like about the whole podcast format itself is there's no managers. There is no uh, guidelines. There is no what you can't or cannot talk about. They're always off the cuff. They're willing to talk about money. They're willing to talk about their their successes, their failures, their trials, their tribulations, or their their, their uh, triumphs. They, they can talk about. They can talk freely in an open format, where they they they're more. You, you feel a little bit more of what their journey was was like. You get a little bit more of a personal feel for the fighter itself. And going on a UFC Tonight show and watching them getting interviewed, when when you, you listen to a podcast or when you listen to like one of their podcasts or an interview that that doesn't have one of the the big wigs watching or the UFC on the on the on the button, you, you get more of a personal feel and you get more of a uh, more broad end of an answer. And then that's why I like most about MMA Destruction. That's why I really like being on your podcast. I was able to ask Daniel Cormier and people like that, like what's their favorite wrestlers, what. What are they planning on retiring? Like, what's what's their game plan going into a fight? Like, you, you get a better feel and knowledge and a respect for the fighter that you're talking to, which which I like most about the podcast format, you know? Yeah, and what I like about yours is it's real, it's raw, it's it's true to what you know we need to do out here, and 
that's one reason why I came on, man, because it's like, I, I listen to, you know, a few of your podcasts, and I I like the fact that you, you like to just be very profound and very precise in, in your questioning, and, and the way you ask, you know, is it truly just shows the passion that you have for the sport, and, and that's one thing that, I mean, there's there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, but if you're not doing something that's real and, and that makes a difference, then, you know, you're not going to get anybody to listen, and, you know, I... I don't want to bust your chops just for a second, though. Yeah, bust them. Bust away. You, uh, you honored me with a Dream Elite shirt, and my, yeah. my mutual host, Dustin Hill, with a Dream Elite shirt. And I just truly want to say thank you to the Dream Elite uh, followers and fans, uh, the love that you expressed when we got chose for, you know, to be cover models and, and this and that on the, on the Dream Elite Pro. It it meant something to us, and you guys showed a lot of love and respect. And what David's doing is really, really cool. And, you know, I really have oh. to commend you, bro. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. You know, it's, it's all in the day's work, you know, and I love this sport. It's not about money with me. And I told you that when we were on Fox Sports Radio, when we were on uh, MMA Lockup, I told him the same thing. I'm like, it's, yeah, and that's the biggest problem. And that's where you can separate the bullshit from, from the real is – when people are doing this beyond money, if they, can, if they can make a couple dollars in the sport, brilliant, awesome. You know, do you, man. But what separates the bullshit artists and the brands that go out after a year and the brands, if you really love this sport, it doesn't matter if you make $3 or $300 or $3,000. As long as you're practicing and as long as you're a part of a, of a movement that's bigger than yourself. Because you and I talking right now, you and I have completely contracting styles. But however, what we share is we are both little in comparison to the sport. We are both small little specks on the on the world that is mixed martial arts, but we're contributing to it, and we're trying to be bigger than just one dot. We're trying to spread and be a part. And you know, you, you put dots together, and then you have a painting. Like you, you, we're 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 trying to make a beautiful portrait here with with the sport and give a good representation of people that aren't necessarily familiar with mixed martial arts. Trying to give a good feel for what mixed martial arts is all about: community, honor, respect, trust, and uh, and loyalty too. And, and not just that, but good, healthy competition. And speaking of good, healthy competition and one of the best competitors out there, uh, Don, I'll let you introduce this man because, you know, I haven't earned that honor yet. I want you to introduce uh, an absolute MMA legend and one of my heroes. So, Don, take it away and introduce this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, I've had the opportunity to meet one of the greatest individuals that's ever made an impact on my life. And in speaking to his fighters, he's done the same with them. And hearing his son speak has truly been eloquent. So we thought it would be only fitting that uh, tonight, with me being a mutual host on the show, that we bring to you a great man. That man is Antonio McKee. How are you doing, Antonio? What's up, man? How are you guys doing? Uh, We're doing good, my brother. We're doing good. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. You know, I'm appreciative of everything that I get and receive. Most definitely. And that's why why we have you on this evening because, Antonio, not only have you touched my life, but you've touched the lives of many. Uh, The stories that I've heard you tell, the the stories that I've heard from from others, they lead to such an eloquent man, uh, a man that is a true old soul among 
few. And <laughs> I've heard that one before. <laughs> it's true. Would you care to reiterate for our listeners, you know, what transformed Antonio McKee into the man he is today? Man, if I had the answer to that, I'd try to save the world. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know, man. You you know I was a pit bull with gasoline draws on, running into the fire. Uh, just, you know, my son was born. Um, I had no desire to live. I was ready to die. I was ready to be killed. It didn't matter to me. I just grew up and everything was just ugly. Um, hopefully I get this autobiography out and people can really get into the mind and get to know me because so many people say stuff about me. They don't even know me. But I tell you what, I'd rather be uh, feared than respected. And a lot of people say, well, what do you mean you'd rather be feared than respected? I tell you, people who respect you, we're living in a different time now. People who respect you do you dirty. They do shady stuff to you. But if they fear you, they leave you alone, and they don't bother you. Uh, and that's what made me change. I grew up, and I respected everybody. And I got done dirty over and over and over out of respect. But I noticed when I feared them, I did everything that I was supposed to do. I didn't cut any corners. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And I learned a different respect. And so I just, I think with that being said and God having his hand on me the whole time, because I'm going to tell you, brother, I should not be here. There's a lot of people, a lot of stories, but let me tell you something, bro. I've got 100 stories, and each one I almost died, but I didn't die. I got to the 99.9 story and said, you know what, <laughs> I think I think I got a reason to be here because I should have been gone 99 times ago, and I'm still standing. And you know what, like you said, you know, I've changed so many people's lives, whether they were there for one day, two days, three days, they lived with me for four years, five years, six years, eight years, or whether it was just an hour conversation or whether I was just able to instrument something positive in their life. I'm just that light, you know what I mean? And so I, I I just I enjoy it man. I just keep doing what I do and I ask God to keep me healthy, keep me young. I've never been sick in over twenty five years, not even a cold. I mean I could tell you so many stories that I don't have an answer for. I have friends who don't believe in God and I, I share some of my stories with them and, and I say, Look, help me understand what this is and what happened and how I'm still here and they don't have an explanation for it, and so I gotta give I gotta give all the credit to God because no one can seem to answer the questions that I ask and and the things that I've been through. No one can can tell me that there's there's something, man. I can't just be lucky ninety nine times, literally. Yeah, man. Very cool. Yeah. Antonio, it uh, you have made a profound impact on my life and. You've done so with your fighters. Now, looking at Bellator 160, it's pretty much the body shop versus the world. Uh, that has to be a great feeling in the in the heart of Antonio McKee, knowing that his knowledge has created this this war that is going to ensue. Well, I tell you something. Um, I'm honored to be in the position that I'm in, but I am going to show the world something and this is going to revolutionize the sport of mixed martial arts and you know uh, a lot of these camps they operate on egos they get all the top fighters that come out of high school college or they're the number one recruits in MMA they got the big fancy gyms uh, they're able to offer them contracts and 
pin endorsements and sponsorships, and really, it's not about the athlete. It's about the the money. It's about the resource, the connection. And I've actually, you know, Bellator has got respect for me. They've seen me in the trenches with my guys. They've seen me train with my guys. We're up here in Big Bear. They've seen me take care of guys. They've seen me get burned. They've seen me go through hardship. And you know what? I'm still standing, and I'm smiling every time you see me, so it's real difficult not to appreciate the smile because no matter what happens, I'm always smiling. And I tell you what, when Bellator 160 is over, you guys you know, follow up with me, and you bring me back on because I'm going to tell you something. We're going to shock the world. We're going to shock the world. I've already seen it, so I'm so confident in what I've seen and what we're going to do that I'm calling it right now. After this is over with, um, you, you just got to hold me accountable for what I tell you and what I'm saying. And uh, you know what? I, I can't say everything right now because there's a lot of stuff on the table. We've been doing a lot of filming. But being able to get away and come up here and get the guys out of that environment that they're used to and get them up here in high altitude, I'm conditioning the mind as well as the physical body. And we're just going to we're gonna show, we're going to really show the world on national television how powerful it is when you're on the right spiritual track. We just Heck saw yeah. Tyron Woolley do do something. Uh, I told people Tyron's going to knock him out in the first round. I I bet it. I, you know, it's not something that I normally do, but I was so confident in Tyron and what we talked about years ago, how it's been a struggle. And now to see him go out there, I said he was going to do it. He did it. I'm proud of him. And, and even the fact that I've worked with him and showing him certain things and seeing him implement those things out there or whether it's the spiritual side, it doesn't matter. I don't want credit for anything. I just want people to know that there's a big change coming. Yeah. Heck yeah. And um, so, by the way, Antonio, I've known you for quite some time and watched you. A big fan, by the way. And back in the day, people don't know about this, but there was something called tape trading. There was no type of YouTube. So I remember watching you when you fought back in uh, King of the Cage in 2003 and you had such an inspiring performance. I think you won by a uh, split decision, but I've been, I've been watching you for quite some time, and I've been a huge fan. Uh, but more importantly, not just you, but your son, who I spoke to your son on uh, one of Don McGuire's shows, and he's a 21-year-old who talks so articulately with such character and such wisdom. He talks just like I could only imagine, and I was talking to Don about this. I'm like, I can't even imagine what Antonio's like because he has such knowledge. He's, you know, he's more knowledgeable than I am, and I'm sure you pass all that knowledge down to him, AJ, who is fighting on Bellator 160, who's defending his undefeated record. What is more important to you? Because you've been a champion, you've been through, you went into Dream, UFC, every single major uh, uh, promotion. What is more important to you at this stage, or what will be the most important thing that you remember for? Your, you and all your incredible accomplishments, or your son when he reaches that plateau, becomes a world champion, fights, at the, fights in Bellator, becomes a champion there, fights anywhere else, becomes a champion there. What is more important, his legacy or yours, or do they coincide with each other? You know what? What's more important to me is the people that I work with. I don't care about leaving a legacy, and you should know that from my career. I was one of the top-rated fighters in any weight class from 155 all the way up to 185. I never stepped down from a fight. I was self-trained out of a garage. I didn't have mentors. I was trained, and I dealt with street thugs <laughs> giving me their version of how I should fight. And I grew into the sport raw. There was no cookie-cutting. There was no shortcuts. There was no steroids. 
So for me, I don't care about that. What I care about is I care about that I make change in people who came from where I came from who's suffering the way I suffered. I understand the pain, so you can't give me an excuse to fail. My son knows. I, I have two things, three things, two things that I tell him. I said, son, listen, I don't understand this. I love you more than I love me, and I will not lie to you. I will not steal from you, and I will not kill you. But what I will do is all three of those things that is, against spiritually, not right, but this is how passionate I love, and I always tell people, I hope God can understand when I say I'm willing to lie for you, I'm willing to die for you, I'm willing to steal for you, I'm willing to kill for you. When I tell my son that, I mean, look, man, you're, you're, you're me, and I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you. And pastors can say, oh, you know, God's not – look, man, I'm telling you how, how, how pure my heart is. And if I know that if I can suffer and the next man won't suffer, I'll suffer. You know, and that's right. just how I am. So for me – I don't care about a legacy. What I care about is the impact of people's lives who are mistreated, who are not as fortunate. You know, you, you always hear about something I did. What, what, what do you hear about that I do positive, how I feed the community, how I'm interacting with the gangs, trying to bring the Long Beach Insane Crips together with the Rolling Twenties? Stop the violence. Let's, let's, let's forget about Black Lives Matter and talk about humanity, human, peop, human beings. That's what we are. I don't care about color. I date white women, black women, Asian women. I don't see color. But yet I'm treated different because of the way I look, because of the way I talk, or if I don't say something or I'm dark, I have high cheekbones. So at the end of the day, man, I don't care about all that other stuff. I just want to continue to strive for it, to help people. And, man, sometimes it drains on me, but, you know, they say God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I feel like I haven't even touched the tadpole of what he's got in store for me, man, because I'm going to tell you, my house is a revolving door. Yeah, that's my jaw's on the floor right now. That was the the best response I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so back on track and just putting the focus on you. And I know you don't like to f- put the focus on you. And you, people don't really talk about the positive contributions that you did to the sport. I mean, you were in the sport when you know it was pretty much rising from the dead, like all the way back to 1999, and you had a tremendous wrestling career even before that. So uh, I, I want to know, throughout your wrestling career, all the way getting into mixed martial arts, all the way to where you are right now, if you can label back and go back to your entire journey, what would you say is the, mo- the best moment of your entire mixed martial arts career? The best moment of my entire mixed martial arts career was when the USC kicked me out uh, after being undefeated for, I think, seven or eight years. When they when they when they gave me a bullcrap decision against Volkman, which if you watch that fight and count the punch, the static, there's yeah. no way the kid could have beat me in a split decision. But you know, I tried to change my style. That to me was the most important part of my career because what it did is it put a pivotal point in my life where I had to make a decision. Um, you know, a lot of the guys are on steroids. They can talk all they want and get upset with me all they want. I'm a natural. I fought at 40-something years old, natural, no juice, no steroids. And I ran with the young and the elite, and I've trained with the best. And I stood for something that most people don't understand. And they won't understand until they're in those shoes. I stood as a silent champion. I was a silent champion. They silenced me out. 
I've been undefeated in wrestling for five years. I went undefeated in MMA for seven years, eight years, six years, whatever. I don't remember what it was. I fought for fifty dollars. I fought for twenty-five dollars. I fought for a thousand. I fought for five and ten thousand. I went undefeated in the IFL. I went undefeated in MFC. Uh, they they planned it well, and that was the best thing they could have ever did. Because guess what? It inspired me now to work with. Uh, the the fighters union we're trying to put together with Shamrock and uh, Rob Macy and those guys, it's inspired me to, to to find what these fighters are missing. Man, you guys don't see what I see. I'm a, I'm 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 in hand. I'm on hand. I'm right here. I'm in the trenches with these guys. I'm watching the needles go in and out of the ass cheeks and the shoulder muscles. I'm constantly pleading that look. You don't understand the quality of life that you're gonna have if you keep doing it this way. Try my training system. I can make you faster. I can make you stronger. You tell me what you want. Give me four weeks, and I will show you everything that you just asked for. And you know what? My living example is my son. He could never knock anybody out. He's long and wiry. You'd never think, man, that son, is, he's a phenomenal athlete, and he's very powerful. And I think on the, uh, the 26th, you guys are going to be asking yourself, how is it possible for a ninth? a 21-year-old kid that just turned 21, how is it possible for him to be so smooth, so calm, so cool? Hey, man, it's mind, body, and soul. Wow. You know, it really, it really is, Antonio. And, you know, I've, I've interviewed you several times, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that's ashamed of anything in life. I, I go to you for advice. So it kind of brings me to my next question. You know, when Antonio McKee had that thought of making a gym called the Body Shop MMA, what transpired you? What put that that burn in your heart to create this gym? And then on top of that, to bring in such tremendous talent, but yet not really charge anything for what you're giving them. Right. Well, I saw all the gyms. I saw Pat Miller's training system. I saw this. I saw that. I saw Jones. I saw this, T O T. I I saw all the different gyms, and I said, you know what? This can't be a personal situation. This has to be a team. And at the time, my name, my gym was Body Shop Fitness. I was just about taking care of the body, mind, body, and spirit. That's just I've been doing this man way before MMA was in existence. And I said, you know what? Team Body Shop. Everyone talked bad about, ah, that's stupid, that's stupid. I said, you guys won't understand this until 20 years later. And guess what? Team. Team is what makes dreams work. You know what I'm saying? And I've always been about team. You never see me in the cameras. I I sometimes want credit and I want to feel good and I want people to say, McKee, man, we... But you know what? I realized I wasn't doing it for that. So why did I need that type of attention? That was just, you know, me just chasing my ego. But at the end of the day, man, I don't make money when I do what I do. I do what I do because I enjoy what I do, and I know it's morally, spiritually what's right. I got to say, man, there's a lot of guys in this fight game that are very selfish, very stubborn, and guess what? They leave this sport broke. They leave this sport because they have nothing in retirement. My guys, the first thing that I do is I look at their credit. I start to build bank profiles. I tell them about building credit. I tell them to put corporations together. I help them with their taxes, put money up, this. And you know what? There is not one fighter 
that I've worked with that can tell you they paid me what I was worth with the exception of Rampage Jackson. He's always been right on point with the money. He's always taking care of me. Uh, and he's not only a friend, you know, we're like brothers. He gets pissed off at me for sometimes because I talk too much. But at the end of the day, he knows I, I would stand in front of a bullet for him. So, you know, being that said, I just I, I got tired of all the personal individuals, the egos, and I wanted something that I could bring like a family because I didn't grow up with a family. I grew up in those boys' homes. I grew up in the streets. I didn't have that family, and I was always lonely. So these guys became my family, and then they became part of my team, and there's no contracts, and you know what? You can leave when you want. And at the end of the day, these guys see how much I care, how much I care. And some fighters I've had to tell, I think this is, I think you need to go. I don't think I got what you need here. You know? Yes. Yes. Always Boston. respect. You know, no, Antonio, let's take a kind of a step back kind of in a way into your, into your career. You know, a lot of people can say what they want, but proof is in the record. You were 29 and 6, and, uh, you know, you, you proved yourself time and time again in the sport. What initially built that passion in Antonio McKee to become an MMA fighter? You know, I've been fighting my whole life. I was fighting from the time I came out the womb, and the doctor spanked me on the butt to get to, for me to get some milk in my mouth. Um, and it's just part of my DNA, man. I didn't. I honestly did not choose this sport. I think I was. This sport was just. It chose me, and I was good at good at it. I fought in the streets. Uh, I took a different approach in MMA. You know what I mean? I saw the damage being done, and I realized that this wasn't about money, and I wasn't making any money. So. I took the smarter route, man, and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna establish a style that nobody can beat, and no one can stop me from taking them down, and no one's gonna be able to hit me. Guess what? I'm gonna be able to win every fight that I fight. Uh, it's unfortunately reality kicks in when you get older. You can't move as fast, you can't move as quick, but the timing was still good up until about 45. I was good. 46. I'm 46 now. I'll be 47 shortly. I still roll every day. I hurt, I ain't going to lie, and I sometimes think about doing a cycle of TRT because I hear this and hear that. But when I talk to the doctors and they say the quality of life that you choose to live now versus later, you make the decision, and I make the decision not to do it. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I didn't choose this. This is just part of my DNA. Um, and and with working with my son, I'm telling you, this kid is going to show the world something that's unbelievable when it when we finally when he finally understands what I've been teaching him because I've been preaching it since he was a baby and every time he fights you guys notice there's leaps and boundaries in his his excel he looks better and better and better and better and he's going to keep people are going to keep questioning how much better can this kid get and for them to say he's fighting like this person or that person or this person they have no idea. He's going to have a style that they're going to have to fight after. Connor was close, but you, like I said, remember many interviews we've done, I said, you guys ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait. Give me time. Give me time. He's a baby still. Yeah. Heck yeah. And uh, he's only 21 years old, and he's already undefeated. 4-0 and already so knowledgeable about the game. And I, I can't stress that enough. Don and I were, were talking to him with our jaws wide open because he knew so much at such a young age. Uh, but going back to you at a young age, you were a incredible wrestler. Beyond my wildest imagination, you were 
undefeated, two-time state champion. You are a champion in college. You are, you know, just a phenomenal wrestler and a phenomenal talent, raw talent. What during that those years? Because MMA was still relatively new, if not even in existence yet. When during that time did you realize that you want to become a fighter or you want to get into the sport of mixed martial arts? You, you know what? I started out fighting every day. I used to collect money for the drug dealers in the local neighborhoods, and I, they realized that I, I, I didn't care. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to die, but I wasn't going to kill myself. So I took the most craziest jobs, uh, and you know what? It, it developed into uh, – I went in a wrestling room one day, and uh, I boxed first. A lot of people didn't know that I boxed first, but I boxed. But I, they would never let me fight. I wanted to fight. So I decided to go in this wrestling room. I went in this wrestling room in Long Beach Poly, and this little Filipino kicked my ass. And I couldn't figure out how he kicked my ass when I've been beating up grown men. So I came back the second day and said, I want to do it again. And I did it again. I did a little better, but he still kicked my ass, and he was half my size. And I'm like, this, I'm going to do this because I could use this to collect money from the drug dealers and the gangsters, and I could be the best fighter, and I wouldn't get beat up by some little guy because this guy kicked my butt. Within a year, I was one of the best that they had seen, and they kept pushing me to keep doing it. Within the second year, I was a junior. I didn't lose a match after my junior year. I went undefeated in college. I won the state championship in high school. I went two years undefeated in college and won two state championship titles in uh, J.C. level college. And at that time, I was still homeless. You know, I was still in and out of jail. I was just going through it. I just had no structure, no stability. Uh, but I didn't want to be a part of the ghetto anymore. I didn't want to be in the hood. So I started to, you know, get out of there. And so I opened up a business. Um, then I went to a wrestling event. I wrestled John Smith at uh, Cal State. Fullerton, I beat him, but I, I don't think for the Olympics. But I was so ghetto, I was so just, I was just, I was raw, man. I was raw, ghetto, thugged out, jerry curl, gold chains around the neck, earrings hanging out my ear. Uh, just, I was a, a I, I, I would say a hoodlum. I was a hoodlum. And, and and I didn't understand because where I came from, I thought I was doing so well. And then, you know what, there have been great people in my life and my college coach. And then I started coaching high school, and I, I had to change. I had to change because there was kids that were looking after me, looking to be like me. And I was like, wait a minute, I can't be doing that. I can't be doing this. And at that time, I coached for two or three years. Um, I took a school undefeated, a more league championship. Then I saw this UFC stuff on TV. I saw these guys, and, you know, I'm 30 years old now, and I'm thinking, I'll beat those guys' asses. You know, I was a hard ass. <laughs> and so I went into a jiu-jitsu gym walking down the street from a business that I owned and went into a jiu-jitsu gym where I met a guy named Francisco Bueno, walked in there with this attitude and this afro, and I threw all the kids around because I, I was still a great wrestler. And and then he was like, okay, now go with me. And then I went with him, and, you know, he was like 100, about 80 pounds heavier, but that didn't matter to me. We were street balling. Dudes get out of the penitentiary. We were doing Kimbo Slice shit in the backyard. That was that was for just uh, a dollar, five dollars, you know, to go get some puffin' tacos or some 25-cent hamburgers. So we, it was nothing to me. And this guy beat the crap out of me. He choked me out. He strangled me. And at that point, I didn't like that, and I'm a very competitive – I'm an ego-competitive person. 
I compete to win. I'm trying to beat you walking across the street. And, but a lot of people say, well, you know, you shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I said, do you realize that there's never been anybody in my corner? I wrestled and went over 136 matches, and I didn't have anybody there, so I created my alter ego became a character for me. And that's what I used. I would talk so crazy to myself. I would say stuff that would just make me to where I would have to win. And, again, back when you would get the best out of me, and so I was able to perform, and, and, and I just said, you know what? I, I was still in this phase at 30 years old, and I'm the baddest mother on earth. And going out there and winning, I went, I think, 5-0 and all before I got knocked out by Chris Brennan, a kick to the chin. You know, I was being real cocky, having sex two hours before the fight. You know, I, I was just, I don't, man, I'm going to tell you, if you want to talk to anybody with experience, you can talk to me with experience about almost anything except for a drug addiction. I've done it all. And so, you know, I've been humbled. Because there was no teachers there at that time. There was just a conversation me and God was having. And, I, I mean, people say, you know, yeah, right, you were talking to God. Well, I was talking to somebody who knew what was going on because I've always been a step ahead of the game. And because I've been obedient to that voice that talks to me, I've always been able to walk out of it. And you know what? I just, I just sharpened up, and I said, you know what, after that loss, I'm not going to lose another fight. I think I may have lost one other fight. Because uh, I want to go to vacation, and after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to take it serious. Got in my garage and did some Mr. T. Rocky stuff, and I took it on a winning spree for about seven years, eight years. Yeah, incredible stuff, and it, it's definitely incredible. In your entire career, you you've been in the sport so early, all the way up to where it is now, where it's the hottest sport in the world. If you can go back in time and you've seen the who's who come and go in the game. If you can go back in time, any weight class, any generation, anybody, who would be your dream opponent? Or who would be an opponent that you would like to fight, maybe fight again? Who would be the ideal opponent for you? If you could do it all over again, who would you fight again? Or who would you fight? What would be your dream fight? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I, I, I think, oh, man, that is a real good question. You know... <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. There was a point in time when Jens Pulver was the USC champ. I yeah. would play with it. I would play with him. My wrestling level was so far ahead of everybody else's that I would have loved to have fought Jens Pulver. In fact, I tried to pick a fight with him one night at a fight at the USC. I, t- I called him out right there on the spot and said, we can go in the parking lot right now and do it, and you won't <laughs> even touch me. Uh, but I, I would say Jens Pulver – or a Matt Hughes, uh, or Sean Shirt. But I, I really added in for Jens Bover because, to me, he's a great guy. But, I mean, at the time he was a champ, man, I, I, was, un, I was unstoppable. And they know it. People know it. I talked to Scott Coker. I talked to the, the guys, and they knew. They just didn't know how to deal with me because they didn't know what to expect. And this is a business, and I didn't see it as a business. I saw it as a sport. Yeah. Don? Well, you know, yeah, I'm here. I was just letting Antonio finish up there. You know, Antonio, you're always so inspiring. Everything is always heartfelt and has a meaning and, and truth behind it. You know, one thing that I know about in your life that is true, Antonio McKee might have been through 99.9% of everything like you stated, 
but one thing you never have done is drugs. And that statement when I first interviewed you truly meant the world to me. It it gave me an opinion and a view like no other. Now, looking at your career, looking at your son, where did that, other than the streets, where did that knowledge come from in you, sir? Where did, who instilled the train of thought from when you were a young man? Man, I'm going to tell you, man, you know, I wish I could, I, I think people who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about, and those who don't, I wish they knew. Man, let me tell you something, man. I have had an angel talk to me and guide me through life. I knew, man, like I said, I, I don't know if there's some strange shit going on in the world where we have the ability to tap into stuff and be able to see the future. We have the ability to be able to control certain things with our minds. I know that we are so powerful as human beings, and our government only wants us to learn what they want us to learn. And I was a difficult child growing up learning in their structure. Their structure was different to me. I didn't understand it. I could learn faster. I was tested. I tested at a genius level IQ at six years old. I have all the documents of being in these, these facilities where I was always being tested. And I used to always ask my mom, why do they test me so much? Why do they always ask me all these questions? Why do they always? Because I was so young knowing and talking about things that six- and seven-year-olds and five-year-olds shouldn't know about. And it didn't register to me until there was a day when my son said some stuff to me, and I looked at him because I'm like, who the hell is that talking to me? I looked at him, and I said, I need to get my son some medical help. I think he's crazy because of what he said. And one of my uncles looked at me and said, do you know what you used to do when you were little? He said, that is a reflection of you. He said, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just like you. And at that point, I realized that I had I had sheltered and covered up my whole path of my life. And I'm going to tell you, man, we are gifted if we open our minds up to it. If we don't do drugs, if we don't eat meat, if we don't look at all the negative stuff on television, if we don't deal with all the modern witchcraft, all these things that control energy. And my energy is going to shine brighter than theirs because I don't bring it around me. I'm a positive influence, and all I do is I want to receive it. Negative can't tear me down because I'm glowing, and it can't stay. It can't. Negativity cannot run in the same energy field as positive. So you know what? I surround myself with people who need, and then I give them that positive energy, and now we're moving as a force of one. So I just try to tell people, if, if you sat with me for one week, and I shared stuff with you that was going to happen two weeks, three weeks from now, you would think I was crazy. And then when it happens, then you would say, well, how did you know that? Well, I've been doing this my whole life, so I'm tired of telling and and impressing people. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to set the standard. I'm going to set the example, and I'm going to lead by example. My son, like I said, is going to show the world something, and, and when they finally figure it out, we'll be able to expose this. Hopefully I'm still around. Because I'm going to tell you, man, we are a lot more powerful than what they're telling us we are. But we have to work together. Most definitely. You know, we we truly do. And, you know, Antonio, that leads me into probably going to be my last question of this interview. But uh, David's got a couple after. 
going into Bellator 160, you know, if there was a statement, even though I, I know there probably isn't knowing you, but if there was a statement or a paragraph that Antonio McKee wanted to make to the world about what's ready to happen at Bellator 160, what would that statement be, sir? It's real simple. God is real. Yeshua is real, bro. Yeshua is real. And that's all I have to say because he told me that's all I need to say. Keep doing what I... He always tells me, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay humble. Even when the guys around me are doing wrong, because I'm dealing with a bunch of young Thundercats. You, you got AJ. AJ's pretty balanced. You got Kimbo Slice, who's, you know, coming off of a death of his father. You got Joey Davis, Iceman, who's who's grew up in the inner city. Mom was addicted to drugs. Uh, father was, 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 you know, living a, a whole complete different life. Uh, uh, we, I deal with adversity. You know what I mean? I deal with these people who just come from a different walk. And I am the, I, they listen to me because they see that they can't afford to pay me. But I tell them, what else do you got? Give me a chance. And they, I start to build these men into not systematic junkies, but self-sufficient, God-fearing, spiritual men. He takes over once they've accepted him into their life. At, you know, Bubba Jenkins is a great example. Bubba came down. You know, buddy, Bubba was a part of your guy. You know what? Under me, he got baptized. He's now nothing but family in Scripture. Uh, his walk with God is, is, is his walk with God. But it's been beautiful that I led him to that walk. You know what I mean? He was already destined to go there. But I kind of sealed the envelope. So God is real, uh, Bellator 160. Very cool. And uh, I, I do have a question, though. And, and one question I have to ask you. Because, again, throughout your entire career, it's one life lesson after the other. And, and triumphs, tragedies victories, defeats, all of it that encompasses a great champion. And, you know, I, I told Don before this that I grew up in a Mike Tyson home, and when, when Mike Tyson got incarcerated, UFC filled that void, and then Prince Nassim came in the game, and then, like, all, all these, you know, boxing and MMA has been my entire life, just like my parents' life before them with Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Your biggest influence, who was your biggest influence when you were starting your mixed martial arts career, and who, what fighter actually influenced you in your style and everything that you carried on to, to, for your career? I would say Rampage, Quentin Jackson. Um, you know, Rampage was raw. And, you know, if you look at his highlight, you look at my highlight, I slammed everybody that I've ever fought until my back started giving me problems. <laughs> but Rampage <laughs> is a real big inspiration for me. Um, he's been, he's been kind of like, the big brother in a sense that I'm older, but the big brother behind the camera, the big brother in front of the media, the big brother when you're dealing with the fans. But on the spiritual level, I've been the big brother on how to do this and how to do that and how to set yourself up for businesses. So I would say Rampage was a uh, real instrumental part of my life and, and Muhammad Ali. Yes, absolutely. And God bless Muhammad Ali. And I remember Kimbo Slice too, back fighting Kazushi Sakuraba, throwing him around when Sakuraba was known as this invincible entity, and then he fought Ishikawa, and then you really realize what pride had on their hands and what mixed martial arts on the had on their hands. I'm sure you had an influence in his life in some way, shape, or form. But going on forward, and what is one thing, if, if I'm sure fighters are listening to this, fighters always listen, 
what is one thing you can tell people listening out there to carry on in their life, their mixed martial arts career, their everyday routine? What is one piece of advice you can give them that works for you? I'd like to divide it up into two. I would like to say always put God first. Put your sure first because I didn't do that. I put the business first. I put the money first. And when you line things up, you know, and, and, and you know, when I talk, people say, oh, he's some holy role. No, I'm not. I'm a human being. I don't have a, a, a religion. I have a relationship. I am not a church-going guy. I am a spiritual-going man. So don't mix. I'll say a cuss word, and the pastor will say, oh, well, he, he, look, let me tell you something. I ain't nowhere near perfect. And anybody trying to judge me, I hope you can walk in my shoes and judge me because uh, a cuss word to me, God ain't going to let me in heaven because I said a cuss word. God's not going to allow me to come to heaven because I said damn or I had this harsh feeling toward a person because that's natural human instincts. That's inside of me, and that's been the biggest fight for me is to know that this is not my heart, but this is the way I feel. How can I get these two lined up? And I think that balance right there is what it is. I, I think that we need to put God first. If not God, you don't believe in God because I got a lot of Jewish friends that don't believe in God. You have to put something positive first because anything else will pull you in. You know, positive is a very powerful thing. That's why we have the laws of attraction that exist. So that and integrity. You have to have integrity. If you put those things in order, you put put the, the spiritual draw that you're looking for first, and then you put integrity behind it, there's not too many things that you won't see or be able to do or figure out. Very cool. Yeah, very well said, sir. Um, Ashley, I'm going to ask one more question before we, we let you go here, Antonio. You know, I, I look at this Bellator card, and what you're doing has, has made a profound impact. You know, I can't wait for the body shop to, to truly show the world what they're about and where they come from. You know, you've you've spoken of a, a very hard life, but yet you've overcome every obstacle. If you had a, a message to the youth or to the, the gangbanger on the street corner or to just the average person uh, to turn their life around and, and look at God, what would that message be, Antonio? Okay. You know, I have to use this sometimes because I grew up different. I, I, You know, you guys know the deal. I was molested from five all the way up until about seven or eight. Um, and, and, and then I was in a boy's home. I watched men get raped. and But, you know, I, I watched all kinds of crazy stuff, and I didn't understand it. But one of the things that I've learned to do, because I'm not, I'm not, it's weird. I'm not emotional, but I love. You know what I mean? I don't make decisions on my emotions. I make it out of the heart the love. And what I always tell people is I said, listen, find something that you truly care about because everybody here has something that they care about. And you take that what you care about and you have to take care of that what you care about from here on until the day you leave. How would you treat what you care about? If you care about cars, what do you do? You don't you don't leave your car raggedy and dirty. You keep your car clean and shined up. Why? Because it makes you feel good when that car is clean and shined up. If you care about a secretary or you care about a stepdad and, you know, that's everything that you've always, you know, desired and you got it, 
take it away from yourself all of a sudden, and you don't have it anymore. That pain right there. Now, when it's when, when you have it, think about how good it feels to you when you have it, and you know it's there. Those are the things that I tell people to change. There is a beautiful world here, even though the picture is painted ugly. But you have to get past the visual and get on the spiritual. If I draw you, you know, like this art. They've got all this fancy art, and people look at it and go, it looks like a bunch of ink paint on the wall. But then if you look truly deep into that picture, there is a message, a spiritual message there. But you have to be able to be spiritual to see it, right? So I tell people, you have to be able to love to hate. So if you hate, try loving. And I'm going to tell you, the feeling is good. No one likes to feel, there's no good about hating or disliking. It doesn't feel good. It, 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 it's horrible inside. So let's try love and see how that feels. All of a sudden, it feels really good. What, what, that's the feeling that I want for the rest of my life, and those are the reasons why I do what I do, because it makes me feel good. So my answer to those people is to embrace what they enjoy and what makes them feel good and continue to want to Give and receive that all the time. It's really, really easy, man. I, I, I tell you, I don't care what your problem is. Let's sit down and talk about it. And I guarantee you within 10 minutes, you'll be happy. Very cool. Yes, most definitely. Well, Antonio, as always, I'm, I'm humbled and I'm honored, and I, I can speak for David and myself, you know, if David has something he would like to add afterwards, uh, you truly embrace um, what I, why I do radio, and you truly embrace what it, it means to be a true old soul. And I think it's miraculous what you're doing with the youth of America, the, the troubled teens, and, and everybody in all that aspect. So on behalf of David and Dream Elite and myself, we thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, as always, brother, I'm blessed. Man, I'm honored. I'm I'm very thankful that you guys uh, had me on again, and I'll always deliver a, a powerful, passionate, spiritual message. Whether you believe or don't believe in God or whatever you believe in, I will we'll, we'll label it whatever you believe. I will always give you the truth. I will always give you my heart, and I will always be thankful for all the things that you guys are are, are able to do for me and all the athletes that are on the same platform that I'm on and those who are not as privileged as me. So, again, thank you. And uh, I'm I'm trying to get my son some support. So if you guys get a chance, go check out A.J. McKee 101. He's got his website up, ajmckee101.com. And uh, if you're straight or you're looking for a place to train or you just need a brotherhood or somebody to talk to, you can hit me up at antoniomckee at yahoo.com or you can come down to the body shop. Everybody's welcome at my gym. There's no uh, contracts or commitments there. It's just all about love. Yeah, and Antonio, thank you so much. It was an absolute honor to talk to you, and you're a true inspiration. There's so many things I can bullet point, but, like, my jaw is on the floor. And you are the, – the best part is about seeing your heroes all throughout their entire career, and they live up to your every expectation. You definitely did that, and you surpassed that. Thank you so much, Antonio. Thank you, man, and I hope you guys can feel the passion in my heart and in my voice, man. I just – I just – I could cry. Like I said, if I could leave this place and the world would be a safer place, I would hug the loved ones that I have and I'd walk away from this place. No problem. Yeah. And I believe that's probably why I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. All right, Antonio, have a very good night. Thank you very much. God bless. All right, thank you, guys. Take care. Okay, thank you, you too. Buddy.
wow. Wow. You know, <laughs> you know he, I told you you would love him. You know, uh, he's been on Dustin and my show uh, many times, but every time it's something different. Yeah, and uh, and I was just telling you, I was messaging you, I'm like, wow, I, he, he got me tearing up at least twice, three times towards the end when he talked about uh, – because uh, a lot of people don't know this, too, and we're going to open up a little bit, but, like, my stepdad actually passed away. And uh, when he talked about, you know, growing up in, in full love, then, like, imagine one of the, your important things, like your stepdad. Like, imagine if it's taken away from you all of a sudden. Like, something you love and cherish and something that's taken away from you all of a sudden, you know? Well, coming back from that. And, you know, he, he's such an inspiring guy. And he really kind of, like, I, I thought I was getting a mixed martial art interview from him, but at the same time, I got something completely different. And it felt like a, a punch in the gut, and it felt like kind of, you know, a massage to the heart. You know, it really – he's a really in-tune guy. He's really in tune with his soul. He's really in tune with the sport, and he's just such a knowledgeable guy. And I, by far, the – I'm, I'm never at a loss for words. I'm always speedy, and I'm always – you always make fun of me for how I talk. But uh, <laughs> he absolutely, positively has me for an absolute loss of words right now. Because he is, he that he was that inspirational. You know, uh, it's you, you couldn't have said it more poignantly. And uh, I hope the listeners that you have for Dream Elite truly, truly enjoyed this evening. Because you're not going to get this very many times from many individuals. And yeah, we we did kind of differ away from the MMA aspect, but at the same time, you got knowledge from that side of the world. You got to hear from a great from that world, but most importantly, you got to see who the man was behind the fighter, and, you know, I just truly appreciate coming on, uh, it, it meant a lot to me, and, you know, you come on our show, and, and you bless us, so it was only fair that I came on yours and did the same to, you know, for you and yeah. your listeners. Absolutely, and Don, you're, you've been such an, an such a great friend and such a loyal friend and just like with you and your projects and me and mine we've always we've always met each other halfway with everything and dream elite when i was losing money hand over the fist and like i said previously in this in this episode a lot of people don't know this but don mcguire is like don't worry about it tag me in your post i'll help promote it you know like hold my hand i got you kid and literally you got me on fox sports radio uh that christmas i turned every dollar i ever lost into profit like, I made my own gloves. You endorsed my gloves. You actually said that those gloves were the best and how great quality, even though you and I both know you never bought a pair of gloves. You were just being a good friend. But yet, it still gave me that rub. And it still it gave me that, that push-up that I needed and that endorsement that I needed. Just for one or two people to take notes, then four or five, then turns into 20, then turns into 50, then turns into 100 and there, and so forth. And you've been such a good person in the sport and you've done that for countless people. And I'm not the only one. And Dream Elite's still alive and still going strong and having record-breaking months. And it all started you and I talking in 2012 and talking about the game and sharing our passion about the game. And, you know, I wouldn't have made it this far without you, man. We wouldn't be talking right now. And that's why I was so honored to be on your show. And I wanted to – and I know I didn't have my other hosts on. I didn't have anything like that. But I just wanted to make space for you and only you because, again, you are an absolute inspiration in the sport – and inspiration as a human being, too. And you've helped me out so much, and you helped out countless others. And, Don, it was an absolute pleasure sharing sharing the light with you. And not just that, but 
also talking to a legend that opened my eyes about a, a great many things. So, Don, absolute honor, man. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm truly honored and humbled. And on, on my final statement, because you kind of tugged at my heart a little bit there, you know, I, I do things in life for those that do for themselves. And I'm all about giving back to the youth. Is I've never forgotten where I come from, and I never will. And I extend my hand to many because that's the way everybody should be. Yeah. So on that final note, uh, if i got one thing to say, tomorrow will make a difference in someone's life. Just say hello. You never know what it's going to do. It takes one person to change everybody's thought. It takes Absolutely. Hours. And be sure to listen to MMA Destruction podcast with uh, Dustin, Dustin Hill and Don McGuire because Don McGuire is a hell of a guy, one hell of a friend. Don, thank you so much, man. Thank you, brother. It was an honor. Honor. All right. Thank you very much, Don. Have a good night. You too, bro. Good night. Good night. Well, boys and girls, this was a special episode, and I want to do a special episode with Don because Don is an incredible individual and one of my favorite friends in the game. And you saw, you see the progress now with Dream Elite, and you see we we went global with this. We took the dream everywhere, and people are buying the shirts. And you know, it's not about money. It's never been about money. And Don's been there when I was losing money hand over fist, late nights, no sleep, talking to him, asking for advice, asking for help, not help financially, but help in the game, getting getting into the community. And he gave me literally the door cracked open so I can bust right through. And I'll start with Don McGuire. And it was an absolute pleasure talking to him. And I want an entire show just for him and I, because him and I have a lot of shit to always talk about. And he brought in one of his, one of the old school guys of the game, one of a, an MMA legend, absolute incredible icon, different than the comedy show that you're used to with the sport, with this, with Dream League podcast, different than anything you listen to so far with Dream League podcast. I want to get something different because Don's a great guy and Antonio McGee is an absolute legend and an absolute icon in the game. And talking to old school guys that I've watched as a kid now watching as an adult or talking to as an adult. And he lives up to my every expectations. Unbelievable. So boys and girls, children of all ages, this was um, Don McGuire and David Potter, him of MMA destruction. You can listen to it on blogtalkradio.com slash MMA destruction. And you can also listen to Dream Elite Podcast on DreamLeapPro.com. And we're going to have a next show next week, and hopefully maybe Don even stops by. I know he does his podcast on Thursdays, and I don't want to disturb him. He's, I've, I've been on his podcast many a times, and I'm sure he's, it's not going to be the last time he's online. So, boys and girls, thank you so much. Thank you to Don McGuire. Thank you to MMA Destruction. Thank you to Antonio McKee. And we will catch you on the flip side. Boys and girls, good night. Hey everybody, this week's podcast is brought to you by DirecTV. Not many people know this, but when MMA was rising from the dead, DirecTV was one of the first providers to air both Pride FC and UFC. Cable-crushing deals starting at $29.99, huge discount. If you visit thedreamingleapro.com and click the link. And if you aren't allergic to parties, sign up and start saving money today with DirecTV. Our Dream Elite podcast starring Max, Adam, Brandon, and myself. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio.